Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 58. In this episode, we are talking about Amor Toll's The Lincoln Highway. I'm Ryan, and with me is my good buddy and fellow host, Rich. Oh, why, hello there. <laughs> hello. Uh, yeah, so, new host. <laughs> a little bit of a change-up, yeah, a little bit of a difference. Yeah, so, um, big things happening with the podcast, so... Um, Jacob and I started this, uh, back in, I guess, 2017 and, uh, yeah, life has just taken us in, uh, in strange directions. Uh, Jacob had two kids and he's got a job. I now live in Switzerland and the distance and responsibilities, um, yeah, just made it really difficult for us to, to get together and keep doing this. Um, but we wanted it to live on. So. Um, I have my buddy, Rich, um, who I've known since what, 2013. Has it been that long? Christ, yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. So, um, we're making this, uh, even more international podcast by having a Welshman <laughs> here. So maybe Rich, you can, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, just who you are, what you're about, how we know each other. And then, uh, I have some questions about how this is going to change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, so Ryan and I have known each other for a while. Uh, our, our wives are buddies. And then we basically met each other, found out that we had a shared interest, and getting quite drunk, and uh, <laughs> a beautiful magic was made. Um, so I'm, I'm from Wales uh, in the UK. Uh, so I live in a place called Cardiff, which is a capital city. Uh, I work in horticulture, but I do have an MA in creative writing. And so I've always been interested in writing. Uh, Ryan asking me to join in with this was like a kind of a dream because I'd been listening to the podcast and shouting at him and Jacob when I disagreed <laughs> with them. Um, I'm probably more, if Ryan's kind of lit thick, I'm probably more kind of genre focused. I'm a big sci-fi geek, but I do have, you know, I've got that English literature background too, so... I've read my fair share of uh, digi digi classics. Ah, oh, this is this is gonna be fun because I've I, I've said it so many times that like sci-fi is just not my not my thing. And, oh yeah, uh, no, I heard you committing <laughs> horrible sins against science fiction on this podcast. Uh, you wouldn't be referring to the the Asimov episode, would you? Uh, Asimov, I can kind of take or leave, okay. but um, the China Mendel yeah. uh, crack and stuff, like I think. China's got some fantastic books out there. So, was is that one of them? Uh, do you know what? I I I, I haven't read all of it, so okay. <laughs> I okay, can't even complain. Okay, but that's that's fair. That's fair. There's good stuff out there for sure. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before the episode began about like cultural differences. So most of our most of our listeners are in the U.S. by a pretty big majority, followed by the UK and and other European countries. Um, so what sort of things, I mean, do you think will be different uh, with you hosting as opposed to Jacob when it comes to, yeah, anything? Just how our so, conversations go, books maybe? Yeah, I think, you know, I probably have a, like a, an interest in a certain 
type of book and a certain genre of book. I think also Jacob's quite a nice bloke and he's yeah. very well mannered and he's not going to swear as much as I do, unfortunately. <laughs> I've got a filthy mouth and I'm going to try my best to contain it, but I, it's not super containable. So there might be some <laughs> occasional nuclear level swearing, um, which Brits and Aussies and Kiwis, I think, would be absolutely fine with. But uh, Canadians and Americans might find a little tiny bit jarring, for which I apologize. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the, the C word might pop up. And for Americans who are not, um, yeah, used to British language, that is not quite as um, offensive as, uh, as we in America would, uh, would make it out to be, so... We'll we'll see how things go. Obviously, we don't swear necessarily just to to do it, but yeah, it's part of speak part for of our yourself, language. my friend. I very much swear for it's like <laughs> punctuation. You know, I, I heard I heard once uh, somebody said that um, they did like a I guess it was a sociological study or maybe it was, whatever, um, but they said that people who swear often tend to be more honest people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I have I have no resource to back that up, but once upon a time, somewhere in a reputable thing, I'm sure I read that. That's that's it. Yeah, as long <laughs> as, long as you <laughs> vaguely remember the source, you can say it because that's how it works. That's the uh, internet. Oh man, I'm I am so excited to like yeah be back and doing podcast stuff and to have a different flavor. Um, yeah, because Jacob and I had. We over 57 episodes together, and so we sort of had this um, convergent taste, I think. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By, by the end, we, we shared very similar opinions on things, and I don't think that we're, we're going to necessarily be the same just talking about things that, uh, that I've liked and you've liked. And yeah, so it's going to be a little bit like different in that way. Yeah, we made about heads a little bit more. I think you guys were very polite to one another, even in your disagreements. And uh, as try as I might, <laughs> I feel things very strongly. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll 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 see how we go. Um, I'm That's super interested to hear what you think about uh, what about the book. We've been very stum on it. Yes, and, uh, I, I've kind of done that on purpose. Not to tell you what I was thinking. Yeah, um, that's that's what uh, that's. I mean, Jacob and I did the same thing where it was like we okay. sort of abstained in conversation until we started recording the podcast that because yeah, it's just the more like sort of organic the conversation is, the more genuine it felt. Um, yeah, so I, I think we should we should keep that tradition alive for sure. Absolutely. But it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. Um, so let's let's get into let's get into the the book a little bit. Um, so we're gonna keep a somewhat similar uh, format. So we'll talk a little bit about the author. We're gonna um, not do the summary thing uh, because if you're listening to a podcast about a book, you probably should have read the book. Unless you're listening to a podcast to decide you're going to read the book, and we're just going to ruin the book uh, if you listen to this podcast <laughs> before you read it. So uh, no summary. And then we'll, yeah, we'll get into, into talking about it in detail like we always do. And then we will continue the tradition of throwing it on a shelf or as in the case of Asimov, throwing it away. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the author. My first question to you to, to see 
if there is a cultural difference in pronunciation, how would you say this author's name? Oh, you've called me out. I can't yes. even remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Amor Towels. Okay, so Towels. I, I, I could see Amor. I could see, uh, yeah, Amor is how I read it. Amor. So I, I need a U in there to get Amor. Yeah. I know your godforsaken country has stripped the U's from all of the words like color and Amor. Yeah. And... I, I do find that really troubling. Uh, but also, the U's just not necessary in American yeah, well, English. Yeah, you say that, but that's the difference between Amor and Amor. <laughs> So, strangely enough, uh, I, I went through and listened to some of his interviews um, about the about the book, and he does pronounce it Amor. Does he? Amor uh, Where's he yeah. from? I, I, so, I, didn't, I didn't look up anything about him in preparation for this. Yeah, so he was he was born and raised in, in Boston. Uh, okay. He now lives in, in Manhattan. So he, he okay. went to Yale for undergrad. Um, he got his MA from Stanford. Um and then he went uh, to Wall Street and was in like finance for I think like two decades. Oh, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Okay, yeah. So then he finally uh, he finally broke out and went back to writing, and uh, that's where we that's where we have him now. So he's also the author of um, Rules of Civility, which was his first book. Um, and then, uh, a gentleman in Moscow, which was a fantastic book. Um, still one of my, one of my favorites. And then Link, the Lincoln highway just came out this year. Matter of fact, I bought it when we were together in Bristol just yeah. a month ago yeah, in a very lovely bookshop we went to in Bristol, wasn't it? It was fantastic. Yeah. I wish I could remember the, the name of that place. The name. Yeah. Me yeah too. I, I would, I would remember, absolutely it was, drop it. It was an absolute beaut. Yeah. It was, it was really fantastic. And it was nice to be in an English bookstore because here in Switzerland, everything is a German, French or Italian. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna, that's gonna be a hassle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about the, uh, about the author. He seems like a lovely guy, but he has been doing like a whole television, uh, book tour for, um, for this book. And, uh, he has some great interviews, some late night stuff, uh, and, uh, and some more, more serious things, but, um, clearly this is a, um, yeah, well-backed book from a, uh, publishing standpoint. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So, mm. and it's, I'm sure it's on best seller lists now and all sorts of stuff. I, I haven't looked. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the book itself. It is a, it is a meaty, meaty thing. Um, do you have any, like just big general impressions of of the book to start yeah i'd say like first of all i thought it was quite an easy read like the mm -hmm. way that he writes is really it's, it's very readable um it, it feels quite um stripped down is the wrong word but kind of spacious writing if yeah. you will yeah um and i was i had a really interesting time with this book because i was in the middle of it and then I left it at my parents house by accident and then came back to it and I would say that having that time away from it completely changed my opinion of the book really completely completely turned what I was thinking and feeling so okay um so what part did you did you leave at if do you remember when you left the book at your parents 
so uh, I know that I was at uh, chapter four. So okay. um, because the the way that the book works, it's actually running a kind of uh, countdown in the chapters, which I I actually really really liked from a structural point of view. It feels as if it's building towards something like a yeah. countdown on like a timer on a bomb, that kind of thing. Um, and I thought that was that's normally the kind of thing that really gets under my skin, <laughs> but, <laughs> because it was quite like the. I think the book is relatively simple and it kind of ticks down and ticks down and it, it made sense that it was all building towards something. Um, but yeah, initially I was, I was fully along for the ride and then taking the break really made me, I won't say I dislike the book, but I stopped enjoying it in the same way. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I like what he did with the with the structure as well. So in Gentleman in Moscow, you had this um, sort of like dilation of time. So the uh, did you ever read Gentleman in Moscow? No, I haven't read okay. it. I haven't read it. So this was great to come to it kind of blind, like not knowing the author at all. I'd heard about it because yeah. you talked about it. Yeah. So he does this this really cool like dilation thing where, and I can't remember the the exact periods of time, but say the um, the first uh, chapter of the book is. Uh, you know, five years, um, out. Um, then the next one is one year and then it's like three months and then it's, uh, one month and then it's like two weeks and then it's one week and then it's, uh, you know, three days, one day, one hour, and then it, it expands again to one week, mm -hmm. one month. Um, and so the, the structure of, of that book, um, was, was really unique too. And then, yeah, this one, the the countdown thing, at first I was confused because um, I forget what it starts at, eight or... Ten, isn't it? Ten, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and so I was like, ten what? And then by the time I got to eight, I was like, okay, this is this is a countdown, clearly. Um, but then within that, he also has the, the different sort of um, narrative structure. Flicking from third to first person with, um, what's his name? Uh, Duchess, Duchess is it? yeah, and and yeah. Sally too. Sally was was in first person. Yeah, see, I didn't again. It wasn't until I stopped and had a break, and yeah. then I started reading again, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is why I feel strangely close to Duchess." Is because uh, he's written differently, basically. Yeah. And and he yeah we we could do a whole episode on Duchess. I've have, I have a feeling we're just gonna we're gonna dive into him. But yeah, like the, then you had the the chapters that were sort of in the perspective or following closely third person with each of these individual characters. I think we get Sally, Duchess, uh, Wooly, Pastor John, Ulysses, uh, Abacus. Was that the doctor's name? Yeah, yeah. You get one towards the end with yeah. him, don't you? And then Emmett, of course. Um, yeah, and, and I think, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit. So you felt close to, to Duchess because of the because of the first person. How did I think you... That, go sorry. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, 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 you crack on. Uh, I was just curious how you felt about, like, the constant shift in, like, perspective. Like, how did that... Yeah, how did that feel to you? That's that's my that's my absolute jam. I, okay. I think we've we've talked before about um, Julian Barnes and Love Etc. and talking it over. Those Love are those two books. of my yeah. absolute favorite books. And um, I I think that the 
change in perspective there where you see the event from different people's point of view that is for me like bread and butter kind of writing that's um because we're all the hero in our own story you know yeah um it's great to see that kind of perspective thing and duchess is um you know he's a real piece of shit but he's also (laughs) a real absolute champ you know he's he's the way he justifies everything he does is um, is incredibly well written. And it makes you, certainly in the beginning, I kind of, <laughs> I was almost on side with him, you know, bricking yeah. the old guy and all that kind of, you know, using the two by four on the other fella. Um, it's, it's interesting how, yeah, again, having that break kind of, taking my foot off the gas on reading the book made me reconsider basically um Interesting. how i was feeling about him i was suddenly like oh yeah no you're awful you're an awful person um which i think is a quite clever narrative device to switch between those things um yeah well and i think like thinking about duchess um specifically like if he were in a D campaign he'd probably be like like chaotic neutral yeah yeah i could see it i mean he the reasoning he has for doing what he does is um weirdly compelling Mm -hmm. you know his decision making process is not without its own horrific logic (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i i i think from like a narrative perspective it's it's really a brilliant move because because his decision making is flawed, um, even though he has like a code, um, I think if if that character were told in the third person, then it would be much harder to uh, sort of root for him or to to not see him as like a bad character um, Absolutely. or a bad yeah actor. I guess is the is the right term. yeah just a force for kind of chaos um whereas really he as i said his motivations his like backing up of his own motivations everything makes sense to him of what he's done right and i think it happens more towards the end of the book there's a bit where billy has um has a chapter just afterwards. It's after yeah. Emma and Duchess kind of have their face off. And you you right. see things from Billy's perspective, and he's really looking in on the two of them talking. Yeah, it, that is used very well to kind of juxtapose the two opinions against one another. Duchess is never going to see himself as anything other than like a, a top guy who's just doing these things to have a little bit of a disagreement here. And there's a bit in it where he's talking about how he was pointing the gun, but he had never meant to point the gun and he was never <laughs> going to use it and all right. that kind of stuff right yeah early on you get the you get the scene where the boys had been smuggled out in the warden's car right and like from that point in my mind there's like there's this sense of danger right like they're going to get caught and um uh, and all of this kind of stuff and then but it feels wholesome because of who Wooly and Duchess are, like and how they interact with Billy, especially when they're when they're at the house. Um, but then you get that that scene where, yeah, he levels the, the guy with the two by four in the in the alley. He has a logic to what he's doing, and he knows that he needs to. It's weird too. He he sees Emmett do something and then replicates it in his own way, right? Like, right. Yeah. 
because Emmett's fucking morality is absolutely bonkers. Um, and in fact, that's one of the things that got to me about the the author afterwards is I feel like Emmett is written the way that and interesting to hear that he worked on Wall Street and things like that because yeah yeah I feel as if Emmett is written the way that rich people see poor people <laughs> because okay. Emmett's Emmett's like leaving his family home he's not you know he's not getting possessions and there's all this weird stuff where Duchess is finding like um you know Emmett's father was obviously from a rich family like right. Willie's at one point. Right. And he has the heirlooms of that and mm-hmm. Emma leaves it all behind. And I mean I think when you're fucking broke, you don't leave your heirlooms behind. You might sell them. Yeah. But I don't think you just walk out on it. And I know that it's this build up of Emmett as a character who's right. like, I'm leaving my old life behind, etc. etc. Um I just thought, fuck me, that is mental. This is bizarre writing. Um, yeah. taking a punch to kind of fulfill the promise to his brother and to to pay his dues or whatever, I can kind of understand that like, sure. as a character motivation. But just leaving everything behind like that, like <laughs> Emmett, liquidized, my friend. <laughs> right, yeah. And I, I felt really throughout the story that Emmett was... Um. Yeah, like he was sort of of a different morality, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, he punched this kid, and it really wasn't his fault. And then, yeah, he's he has the money from his dad, which he should give to the bank because you know of of all of that. Um, but he, he Emmett, I I really really struggled with as a character in this book because he just felt so unrealistic and just sort of flat like yes agree and and he was really like our protagonist in the book right like he's the one that's that's has the goal that's trying to make this happen for for him and billy and yeah it was just i every time emmett's like chapter or section came up i was just like yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not really that interested. Like, take me back to take me back to Duchess or anybody else. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. He is, as you say, a flat character, and I think a lot of it is that he has this kind of morality albatross around his neck, where he has to act in this way that I don't think people really act, basically. And I, I think that that is something that I found more and more throughout the book so i think like sally as a character oh my god as like the the female voice in the book yeah is severely underplayed and yeah it's it's like in the last little bit of her as a her chapter as a character she says something about how oh she's not coming with them she's gonna make her own bed and cook her own pie or something right right jesus fucking christ this is like it's like You've written the book and you've realised that you've given Sally no agency whatsoever. You've got to do a quick like patch up at the end, just to kind of get the book to where it needs to go. Um, uh, so I felt I felt really sorry for Sally as a character, just because yeah, she was not well utilised, and I think that was something that happened outside of the core four, mm-hmm. um, outside of Willie, Emmett, Billy, and Duchess. Yeah, it happened again and again because Ulysses, Jesus, yeah. wept. What the entire fuck was going on there? 
I mean, we are really, really huffing close to, like, magical Negro territory there. Yes, yeah. The, um, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a good point. And and the name is, is so on the nose, too. I mean, yeah, with all of Billy's stories and, and that whole tie-in, um, it just, yeah, it f- there were a lot of things that felt really convenient. I agree with the, with the Sally thing. It f- so you had this you had this um, sort of build up right her actions and taking care of Billy and then taking care of the boys and trying to do all these nice things which just screams like you know sort of the 1950s like you know housewife kind of uh, kind of themes from uh, you know American books and and television of that era and then uh, yeah then you had this sort of like sort of breakout um where she yeah said she was going to make her own way and it was kind of like yeah but would she like she was she was following Emmett around this whole time and doing all yes. this stuff and then now she's just going to stand up and and say well I'm I'm doing this for myself like it it felt disingenuous to everything else that she had done to that point um it didn't give her like any character depth in the sense that she wasn't at any point in the end conflicted about like Billy and Emmett um, and her relationship to them. And then, or leaving a dad or any of that stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the dad thing, I, I think I, I have less of an issue with, um, but it just, it, it felt like a convenient way to be like, here's a strong feminine character. Uh, definitely definitely and i i felt kind of the same way about um ulysses what's the what's the professor's name again abacus um, abacus yeah so actually the last word on ulysses story comes from abacus Mm, yeah so like ulysses you know he has these point of view chapters but then the last word comes from abacus which is kind of um you know, it's like him talking about like how stories work and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I found a lot of that stuff because there's a little bit with Billy in like the last couple of chapters where he starts writing his story. Right. Um, and he writes his story where this story begins. God, that was that. That's a bit twee for me. Like, yeah. That was a little much. Yeah. Um, it, there, there was a lot of sort of like like feel goody stuff, like even just finding Abacus in, in Manhattan um was was a little i mean improbable right like at at the very best and then so i yeah go ahead uh, i think a a lot of the story has this kind of like um magical realism feel to it sure because so much of the plot runs like clockwork you know like Emmett appears at the door at eight o'clock like duchess has said there are these like semi-magical moments that um in a way, because when I think of a magical realism, I basically I think of like South America. Sure. And this yeah. felt like the Americana version of it. And I, I'm super <laughs> interested to hear like your opinion as an American, especially as like a, a, a now expat or American, yeah. looking in at it. Because this is quite Americanary. You know, you've got the railroads, you've got the the car and the big journey, you've got this. <sighs> criminalization of children yeah <laughs> you, yeah you've got all these different elements in there and um yeah it's, it's stuff like um like billy knowing that you well, working out the code to the 
safe by kind of running through the big American dates. Like, right. These things, it, it felt like heavy with symbolism. And then I don't really feel like that symbolism pays off anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, so there's, there's a few things at play. Definitely like the, the Americana themes are, are throughout because at the heart of this, you have the the Lincoln Highway, which you know is this this you know great stretch of road that is to to connect all of this really massive nation, right? And so from the get go, you have like this this very like American thing, including the the road trip, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And then you have this this post war um, period of time where a lot of people in America like idealize that era in American history as like mm-hmm. the the best part and you know you you ignore things um you know like uh civil rights in this in this book um which was you know also a thing um and yeah so th- there's just there's a lot of idealization I think of of those those kind of themes without introducing like the problematic elements um and and maybe that's too much to ask of of the book to do to be that like comprehensive um yeah and you know the portrayal of the black characters and the latino characters and this is like is pretty odd if i'm honest it feels like a little bit of like a whitewashed history of america which maybe is the point you know but um I, I found them. I, I found like the black characters in particular like very badly and broadly drawn, and the Latino characters are only like two children who fix cars and are called like I can't even remember their yeah. names, but it's not a million miles away from calling them like Cheech and fucking Chong. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was not delicately done no no it was real broad strokes yeah and yeah for for a place as like diverse as new york um yeah it just it it you're right it did feel it did feel very flat in that way and then you didn't really have like any interjection of like like danger um other than like pastor john for for a bit there um and i think the thing that like really boggled my mind was that you have two fugitives from prison and Mm. that's never like a pressing theme in the book like did that did that bother you at all because it bothered the daylights out of me so when when i was first reading the book i was like what is this this is you know so we've got like the highway and then they end up on the railroads and i was like okay so this is like an allegorical tale yeah and especially when ulysses fell into it i was like okay you know we've got billy with his book of heroic stories and ulysses has just jumped down and saved him from essentially like american christianity <laughs> um and he's he's picked up his silver dollars and he's all set uh, and then, if if this is allegorical, I couldn't follow it. I am not well versed enough um, in, in American law, but uh, I thought it was quite folksy. Um, sure, 
which makes me think that you know maybe it is like there's an element of a folk tale to this and then you're sort of tying in with billy's obsession with those stories um and i i mean really i can't stress enough it is really well written yeah yeah yeah. enjoyable to read all of the problems i had with it are kind of how do I put it? Like wanky intellectual bullshit, maybe. Like the actual read is a fucking pleasure. You know, you just you bombing through it. You're enjoying the story. I think you could just knock this book out in like a long weekend. Thoroughly enjoy the story. Not really think about it in any depth and have a lovely time with it. Any time you start actually looking at like the character motivations or who's working with what or why people are doing things it really starts to fall apart and like the the way that the plot works it's like a clockwork you know yeah yeah anything that you took out of there uh, it's so delicately done that it all just falls apart and i suppose i just prefer a messier uh, more unbridled narrative you know so i think i think a book like this would would make like a good like tv series or like a you know a movie or something like that's that's kind of what it what it felt like to me um kind of like did you ever see uh oh brother where art thou yes yes it did so it's it, it was kind of like uh kind of like that in a sense where there's there's sort of this like golden like sheen around everything yes and i i i think you're exactly right it's that nostalgia sheen yeah that you know, and he's captured that very well, that this is like a sort of, you know, considering this is the story about essentially set off by one man's horrible bankruptcy. Right, um, yeah. And then there are so many, like, things in here that, like, just don't don't make a lot of sense to me. And I, I'm thinking specifically then about the the scene, like, at the end, the, the fight, and... Yeah, how Emmett handles Duchess and uh, it, Duchess dies, Wooly dies, uh, the reaction to, to Wooly overdosing, like, um, yeah, like they're they're that's that's a serious thing. Like he he's popping pills the the entire book, right? And we don't really know what they are. Um, and duchess is you know kind of feeding them to him sort of regulating maybe um woolly's sister uh god i can't remember her name is it sarah sarah yeah Yeah. sarah um doesn't seem to behave like appropriately to this whole situation with you know him just being at the house and then yeah i mean clearly he he has some problems not the least of which are whatever drugs he's taking and then he he kills himself and everybody is just sort of like oh well you know that that's that's what Wooly needed not sad i i so Wooly was my favorite character yeah um without a doubt like i i really i really enjoyed reading duchess but Wooly <laughs> was the one that i i just thought was you know like good to read and also just a great great character you know like an interesting perspective and I really felt like it was a cowardly thing to kill him off. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, his perspective, his... If that was his mission, to kind of get home and kill himself, it just... It just seems like such a waste of, uh, like, a the, the most interesting character in there. 
I I really wanted him to find some kind of um, peace, I guess. And I, sure. I, you know, I'm sure that we could make the argument that his uh, his suicide is him finding that. But fuck me, what a depressing argument to make. Like, not um, not how I would like any character to go out. Um, I just, yeah, I feel like he had narratively not done as much as he could have done like uh yeah him as like the the mix between Emmett and uh Duchess was was great and Billy's sort of weird I don't know like idiot savant whatever um yeah that I, I'm I'm never a fan of small children being geniuses. I always think it's a little bit weird and cheap, but it's very difficult to do without it feeling like something from a Stephen King book. But uh, right, yeah, I just I I wanted more from Willie, and I I really enjoyed everything about. Him. I loved him and his sister's relationship. I, I the bit where he's like remembering the day before as like a perfect day just before he kills himself. That was a fucking bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, always have problems. I think with with characters dying, um, and yeah, Willie, you're absolutely right. Just was was sold, you know, completely short. But also, like, yeah, Billy as a character, I th- I think, you know, I've I've known some some eight year olds, nine year olds, um, and. Well, they tend to surprise me with like their intelligence and like um, especially like their skills of like observation of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Billy was written to a certain maturity that I think uh, I guess allowed us to just be okay with him getting dragged through like half of America and like all <laughs> these ridiculous situations. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and yeah, I just I, I think about this book um, without without Billy, right? Um, like you could have you could have maybe pulled it off. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and so you wouldn't have the the Ulysses arc in the in the same way, um, which is fine because I I don't think that was necessary. I don't think the I mean, you could have still had an element of of Pastor John in there if you wanted to, but it could have just been you know Emmett chasing you know Duchess and Wooly across half the the country to to get his car back and you know make it make a new start. Having Billy there just adds like a an extra layer to to Emmett's uh, desire to get things sorted. You know, um, yeah. Uh, the problem is that Emma leaves Billy alone a lot of the time, and the the you know, in one of those ways where we don't learn from our past mistakes because we're all human. Right. And maybe this is the most human that um, Emma ever actually acts. But he leaves Billy alone. Billy nearly gets messed up by Pastor John. Ulysses saves him. He comes back. Ulysses essentially gives him a bit of a telling off, gives him a bit of a bollocking for being right. a shit brother. What does he do? He just leaves Billy again. Yeah. It's like a chapter or two later. He's like, okay, cool. Stay with this um, Stay with this homeless man uh, in this homeless camp. I'm just going to fuck off for a bit. Peace out, Billy. It's absurd. It's it's really absurd. And yeah, I think this, this book 
if we if we keep digging there's there's going to be a lot more stuff like that that just like doesn't uh doesn't seem to foot um but i don't think yeah any of this is meant to be read like quite that deeply i th- i think Agreed. the the intention is exactly like you said earlier this is the kind of book you pick up and you read on on a holiday and you just enjoy you enjoy the the sort of um yeah. the adventure of it um and it felt despite all of all of this as i was reading it um yeah very exciting like i was the the countdown um the just yeah every time you got close to the goal it would just move a little bit further um and and that was i think really well written in that way like it it definitely uh, evoked a a response in me that i like wanted to keep reading i think that you you bang on about how the the way that the the goalpost kept getting moved um and it's it's something you know it it happens in narrative stories because you've got to keep like things moving but it was done pretty well in this you know like you don't you feel emma billy's frustration but it's as you say it's kind of like a it's a it's a yarn it's an adventure tale it's a folk tale it's it's this kind of beast that keeps itself tipping forward and i have to say ultimately although i didn't like big parts of it um it was a good read you know yeah, it, it it it's a good book. Like, it's certainly not a bad book. I've read a lot worse. Put it like that. So, that's that's definitely fair. All right. So then, on that note, are you ready to to put this book on a shelf somewhere? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's your first episode, so you should have the honor. Well, uh, do you want to run through the thing just so uh, you know, so that people at home can play, and also so I get a reminder of exactly how it works? You know, that is that is a astute and wise thing to do. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in this podcast, we have this gimmick where we decide whether or not we're gonna um, put this book on our bookshelf first and foremost. Um, second of all. We have uh, different shelves on our bookshelf. There is a top shelf, which is reserved for the uh, just greatest books that we've read that we would recommend pretty much to, to anybody that uh, that passed by. There's the middle shelf, the, the things that you would maybe pick up again. Uh, you're glad to have read it. Uh, but yeah, maybe not something that you would just immediately uh, suggest to somebody. Then you have the bottom shelf, and this is this is a little bit of a tricky zone. This is where a book was good. Uh, maybe you want to chew on it a little bit more, read it again. Uh, it's not worth getting rid of, um, but it's it's not a book you wanna you wanna toss out entirely. Um, and then again, you have yeah the the bin. Um, as you would call it in the UK, <laughs> or the Obfall, as you would call it in uh, in Switzerland, uh, and this is this is reserved for uh, well for me for Asimov, and um, I don't I don't think I threw anything else away. Um, I suppose you could donate it as well. It's trash. Donate, donate was one, yeah. Donate yeah. was one. Uh, Jacob was always a little bit more, um, yeah. Uh, environmentally conscious about that <laughs> than, <laughs> than I was. So, want to see it pumped. Yeah. So keep or toss, top, middle, or bottom. That is so that to, is the system. To me, 
very easy. This is, and I'm sure everything I've said has led to this. This is mid tier. Like, okay. I will 100% never read this book again. <laughs> but I'm thoroughly glad that I read it. Like, uh, I really, as I say, it was a good romp. I enjoyed it. Nothing wrong with it. Apart from all the stuff that I said that was wrong with it. Um, but <laughs> I I, re- I genuinely, I had a good time reading it. And ultimately, can you ask for more than that? No. Uh, and yeah, so I think that this is also a middle shelf book for me. Um, I think I would recommend this to, to a lot of people. Um, but again, I think within the confines of like, hey, you'd want something like enjoyable to read for for a weekend or maybe a long weekend. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, this is a book worth, uh, worth hanging on to for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, he's really, he's really a good author. Um, I haven't, I haven't read rules of civility. It's been on my bookshelf for a while and, uh, I know that it's, it's supposed to be good as well. So I think he's just, yeah, he's just a good, um, a good writer. Um, and so one other thing, uh, he, he started writing this book in 2014. Um, and it just, Jesus it just, Christ. yeah, yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he just got, got into the whole idea of the Lincoln highway and then started writing, um, writing this story. And it's gone through obviously several iterations since 2014, but, that's a that's a long time to take a book from idea to to publishing. Also, he's got all that Wall Street money. He's writing for <laughs> he's writing for the hell of it. Yeah, he's not. You know, that's not pay your mortgage money, is it? Like he didn't give a fuck. No, not at all. He also had in in an interview I watched. Um, he, so he lives in Manhattan, right? So I, I assume he's got a an apartment there. Um, and then he also has this very nice house on like a private lake somewhere um, outside of the, the city. So clearly when he was on Wall Street, he did OK. And my guess is he's doing OK with yeah. royalties from his books as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's all right. He's not worried about handing down his heirloom <laughs> the fucking tea set or whatever. Is it? He doesn't give a shit. No, definitely not. All right, so that closes the the page on this book. Um, so we need to talk about what is coming next, and it is your choice. So what do you have? Yeah, so straight in with the genre stuff, I'm afraid. Uh, it's a science fiction-y book, science fiction adjacent, maybe. Um, it's The Book of Strange New Things by Michael Faber, possibly pronounced Michelle Faber. <laughs> because he's a little bit Frenchy-Dutchy. Ah. But, uh, yeah, The Book of Strange New Things, um, I'm pretty sure it was a nominee but didn't win for the Arthur C. Clarke okay. Award uh, back when it was first published, which I think is around 2016, 2017. Um, I read this back then, thoroughly enjoyed it, have recommended it to dozens of people, Um and I'm super interested to see if by revisiting it, I'm like, oh, shit, what, what have I done? Why did I recommend this? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm, uh, I'm interested in this one. This but, yeah. one is definitely in our library here at the school, and it has a an amazing cover. It's like a dark blue with like gold lettering and stuff. Uh, it just it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So it's very – I mean, we'll, we'll get into it next time, but it's um, – there's like this 
sub-genre of science fiction where religion is involved, and I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, and I would be very interested to to hear your thoughts on it, considering your, yeah, your background. Yeah, this will this will be interesting if there's if there's religion involved for sure. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And just um, again, you know, the this has uh, well. Let's let's get into it. <laughs> okay. Let's see. How cool. We go. Cool. All right. So next episode is going to be the book of strange new things by Michael Faber or Michelle Fabe or however, <laughs> 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 however uh, it might Very be good. pronounced or yeah, figured out. So this is this is great. This is we're like back in doing podcast stuff. I'm so excited for this new era with you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very excited, too. Although, after fucking jerking ourselves off talking about how we're definitely going to have a clash, we basically <laughs> agreed on that book 100%. So, uh, yeah, no, we didn't. Well, you know. maybe maybe we'll find some divergent taste. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll find something to violently disagree about. Yeah, I mean, future. you did mention Cormac McCarthy coming out with uh, new novels this year, so... I yeah. did, yes. He's from, in 2022. He's got some... Maybe two new books. That's wild. So, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a hell of a gap since, you know, again, he's sitting in his house on a lake yeah. somewhere. Uh, not giving a shit. Other than writing two books that come out at this, in the same year, maybe? That's just... I think it might be another one where he's been working on it for a while. I read an article about okay. it recently. So. Well, be... But who, who knows? We'll yeah. see what it's like. I don't think... I don't think either of us were huge comic book no, fans. But it's so. it's uh, sometimes it's fun to to get in and like hate on a book. It would also be fun sometime to do, yeah, like a, some popular fiction. Like, uh, what, what did Jacob and I do? It wasn't Twilight uh, that I just refused to read. Uh, Fifty Shades. That's right. Yeah, Fifty Shades. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are just some things like. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm one of those those people that like if I don't enjoy it, I'll just put it down because my time is more valuable than whatever I'm going to get out of some piece of shit book like that. I used to be the kind of psychopath who made my way through a book, whether or not I was enjoying it. And now, as I approach 40, I realize I just cannot do that anymore. I will be dead in the grave filled with books that I thought were shit. So... Uh, fuck that noise. I like, <laughs> uh, just want to read some better books. Yeah, oh, for sure. And if you have any book recommendations for the podcast, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Better Bookshelf. And uh, next episode is going to be The Book of Strange New Things. Thanks for listening to this episode, and until next time.